discuter de tout ça. I don't want to set the world on fire. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Good evening, good afternoon, or good morning, whenever it may be, wherever you may be, and however you may be hearing my voice. Whether it be via download through one of the many podcast platforms, or if you are listening to the premiere on the Alternate Current Radio's live stream, I appreciate you tuning in and joining me as we attempt to navigate the shark-infested waters of the agenda-centivized media and look past the propaganda. This is your daily dose of what's currently all the ruckus. What in God's name is going on in here? What was that ruckus? Uh, what ruckus? I was just in my office and I heard a ruckus. Could you describe the ruckus, sir? Watch your tongue, young man. Watch it. According to Wikipedia, the observation that living things inherit traits from their parents has been used since prehistoric times to improve crop plants and animals through selective breeding. The modern science of genetics seeking to understand this process began with the work of Gregor Mendel in the mid-19th century. In his paper, Experiments on Plant Hybridization, presented in 1865 to the Society for Research in nature in Brunn. Mendel traced the inheritance patterns of certain traits in pea plants and described them mathematically. Although this pattern of inheritance could only be observed for a few traits, Mendel's work suggested that heredity was particulate, not acquired, and that the inheritance patterns of many traits could be explained through simple rules and ratios. At its most fundamental level, inheritance in organisms occurs by passing discrete heritable units called genes from parents to offspring. And apparently these genes do a heck of a lot more than determine the color of our eyes. You're listening to Alternate Current Radio, I'm Adam Clark, and this is The Daily Ruckus. 30 years after scientists began mapping the human genome, we're all familiar with the idea that our genes account for many of our physical characteristics. Now, scientists at Virginia Tech have identified a new kind of gene that plays a powerful role in when we sleep and when we don't. It's actually a very different pair of genes than previously thought. Instead of the traditional explanation that genes determine our basic traits, Virginia Tech researchers found that it's a kind of shadow gene that's really running the show when it comes to sleep and wakefulness. Quote, so we found this gene thinking, this is a typical gene, like genes for your hair, color, eye color, and then it turned out this is not one of those typical genes, says Shihoko Kojima, who is assistant professor in the Department of Biological Sciences, and it's her lab that's newly identified something they call a non-traditional gene, molecules scientists used to think of as junk DNA, and they found these non-traditional genes actually do a 
lot of heavy lifting, supporting immune and brain functions, playing a role in cancer and other diseases, and governing our patterns of sleep and wakefulness. And, she says, there's a lot more yet to be learned about how non-coding genes, or shadow genes, work in the human body. Quote, so I think we should focus more on those non-traditional genes that we have neglected, because that might have a lot of treasures that we haven't even thought of." End quote. And that opens up a whole new era of potential study, not only of sleep and wakefulness, but also about what else might be hidden in those shadow genes. WVTF.org well, that's pretty cool. And if you thought that was interesting, you're gonna love this. The following is an article found on nowtheendbegins.com, authored by Lori Demonia, who writes, The author of the dystopian book Brave New World, Aldous Huxley, gave the following ominous warning during a speech at Berkeley in 1962 called The Ultimate Revolution. Quote, There will be, in the next generation or so, a pharmacological method of making people love their servitude and producing dictatorship without tears, so to speak, producing a kind of painless concentration camp for entire societies, so that people will in fact have their liberties taken away from them, but will rather enjoy it. Medical science has made such tremendous progress that there is hardly a healthy human left." End quote. With astonishing accuracy, Huxley described what sounds like our world today. However, Rudolf Steiner, an Australian philosopher, gave this chilling prediction. Quote, In the future, we will eliminate the soul with medicine. Under the pretext of a healthy point of view, there will be a vaccine by which the human body will be treated as soon as possible directly at birth, so that the human being cannot develop the thought of the existence of soul and spirit. The materialistic doctor will be entrusted the task of removing the soul of humanity. With such a vaccine, you can easily make the etheric body loose in the physical body. End quote. That term, etheric, is a New Age term used by neo-theosophy. Their symbol has the saying, in French, quote, There is no religion greater than the truth. End quote. The idea for medically changing human thought and beliefs via pharmaceuticals has been envisioned in the past. This article presents a selection of separate anecdotes to illustrate how they just may all interrelate to achieve an objective. In April 2017, the FDA approved a drug mainly to treat tardive dyskinesia and chorea associated with Huntington's disease. This prescription drug is now available in two formulations. Benazine and Dutetrabenazine. The function of these drugs is to inhibit the vesicular monoamine transporter, VMAT2 for short. So why should inhibiting one's VMAT2 gene interest us? Because this same gene, the VMAT2 gene, was nicknamed the God gene. A study on this gene was conducted in Tabriz, Iran by the Stem Cells Research Center of Oncology and Hermatology and Research Center of Human Genetics, Tabriz University of Medical Sciences in Iran, along with both the Tabriz and Ahar Iranian Young Researchers Club and the elite Islamic Azad University of Iran. Their final report was published in October 2016. Before going into details of this study, it is important to to point out it was published by Symbiosis Publishing, an international online publisher of peer-reviewed studies. They mainly publish research in the areas of clinical, 
medicine, life sciences, pharma, engineering, and technology. An important fact due to the fact checks and debunked stories circulating on this topic. No, this study was published by a credible publisher, medically peer-reviewed, following a strict screening for plagiarism. The published study was called VMAT2 Gene Molecular Study of 2,000 Peoples in the Religious Behavior and Belief in God of the Citizens of the City of Tabriz in Iran. The hypothesis is that this particular gene is hardwired, so to speak, into an individual's genes and predisposes them to spiritual experiences. Back in 2005, geneticist Dean Hamer wrote the book The God Gene, How Faith is Hardwired into Our Genes. Other prior researchers who worked on the God Gene are cited in this study, including one who analyzed DNA and personality score data of 1,000 people to single out a particular gene involved with one's spirituality tendency. Yes, that gene was the VMAT2 gene. Studying 2,000 subjects, 1,000 considered religious, 1,000 deemed non-religious, through the measurement of gene expressions related to an individual's religious leanings, they came to a conclusion. They found one's desire and natural need to seek God and to worship in some form had a direct connection to one's genes. Several genes play a role in one's beliefs, but the single gene of utmost importance to spirituality, religious practices, was the VMAT2 gene. That was the single gene playing a crucial role in one's need of God. If their findings are correct, Correct. What would taking a prescription drug that inhibits the VMAT2 gene do to a person? In April 2005, a highly classified presentation was given to members of the Department of Defense and top military officials at the Pentagon. This has been debunked, oddly enough, when you search about it, but the video, supposedly recorded and leaked by a whistleblower, of this Pentagon briefing has someone presenting medical terminology and genome language that most pranksters probably could not pull off and sound very credible. The briefing from the so-called fake bioweapon scientist has the following topic points. 1. The U.S. military biological weapons program has been creating a vaccine that is specifically formulated to immunize targeted individuals and populations against the expression of the God gene, also known as vesicular monoamine transporter 2, VMAT2. And 2. The suppression of VMAT2 has been a primary goal of U.S. biological weapon laboratories for decades with the ostensible purpose of neutralizing terrorists who act on their religious fanaticism. The video, simply titled Summary of Fun Vax Objectives, was quote-unquote debunked after people claimed it was Bill Gates giving the presentation, which he clearly is not. But that is misleading, because while this is not Bill Gates, this is what I believe to be an authentic video talking about the actual Pentagon program. This debunked Pentagon presentation had graphs and brain fMRIs as well. A functional MRI scan measures and maps brain activity. The presenter explains the VMAT2 gene is part of the brain connected to one's theory of mind, intents, beliefs, and desires. The test subjects discussed using their fMRI scans were read religious text during their scan. The individual whose brain lit up when hearing the religious text was expressing their disgust or displeasure. The other scan was a person with strong religious beliefs whose brain did 
did not light up, but the most shocking part was the presenter's proposal. Our hypothesis is that these are fanatical people, uh, that they have overexpression of the BMAT2 gene, and that by vaccinating them against this, we'll eliminate this behavior. The virus would immunize against this VMAT2 gene, and that would, would have the effect that you see here, which is it's essentially to turn a fanatic into a, a, a normal person. And we think that will have major effects in the Middle East. How would you suggest that this is going to be dispersed, the aerosol? Well, so, so the, the present uh, plan and the tests that we've done so far um, have used uh, uh, respiratory viruses, uh, such as flu or, or uh, rhinoviruses. And uh, we believe that that's a satisfactory way to get the exposure of the largest uh, part of the population. Most of us, of course, have, ha have been exposed to both of those viruses. And, and we're, we're quite confident that, that this will be a, a, a very successful uh, approach. Seven years later, in 2012, an outbreak of Middle East Respiratory Syndrome coronavirus, MERS, affected several countries. A novel coronavirus that was first seen in a patient from Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, on June 6, 2012. It was also called COVID-12, and was a respiratory syndrome-related virus. In 2015, South Korea had an outbreak of MERS as well. For argument's sake, let's say chemtrails are not tinfoil hat conspiracy nonsense. What are the odds seven years after a proposal to use an aerosol over a particular part of the world to initiate a respiratory virus actually happens. Another suspicion arises regarding the conspiracy of aerosol bioweapons when you read directly from the Pentagon PDF document dated June 1st, 2007. It states the following regarding their project. Quote, the objective of this phase of Project ID 149AZ2 is to prepare a viral vector that will inhibit slash decrease the expression of VMAT2 within a human population. The design allows the virus to infect the respiratory tract where cytolytic infection occurs and then subsequent diffusion across the blood barrier to infect brain cells, end quote. And the following, taken from page 9. Quote, Benchmarks laid out in the summary of FunVax objectives, including the two most important objectives at this stage. 1. An airborne virus that can insert a modified VMAT2 gene into brain cells. 2. A significant decrease of expression of endogenous VMAT2. Dispersal methods are still being tested. High atmospheric dispersal, or dispersal by a ground-level moving object, appear to be the most practical. Once initial dispersal is accomplished, infection will be transmitted person to person." End quote. And from page 3, quote, Summary of dispersal options of vesicular stomatitis virus, submitted March 27, 2007. The dispersal of the brain-modifying viral vaccine was tested in six different ways. Six methods of vesicular stomatitis virus dispersal were tested. High altitude release, water supply release, insect transmission, diffusion by a ground-level object such as a car, diffusion from a stationary object such as a bottle, and infection of food supply such as cattle or produce. For the high-altitude tests, 30 liters of highly concentrated virus, 1,011 PFUs per milliliter, had a targeted 1 square kilometer live land rate of 150 PFU per square meter." End quote. The document goes into even more details about releasing the virus via water from a 
moving object going 25 miles per hour, etc. Would we ever know if this project resulted in the MERS outbreak of 2012? If you look up MERS on the CDC website, it states, MERS is a viral respiratory illness that is new to humans, first reported in Saudi Arabia in 2012, and has since spread to several other countries. And what does the World Health Organization have to say about MERS? That it is transferred to humans from infected dromedary camels. Yes, it is contracted through direct or indirect contact with infected animals. Wait, it gets better. The WHO site also says, quote, The origins of the virus are not fully understood, but according to the analysis of different virus genomes, it is believed that it may have originated in bats and later transmitted to camels. Human-to-human -human transmission is possible, but only a few such transmissions have been found among family members living in the same household. In healthcare settings, however, human-to-human -human transmission appears to be more frequent." End quote. Those pesky virus-spreading bats were the culprit once again. What's very interesting is the fact that one year prior to the quote-unquote unconfirmed Pentagon briefing in 2005 was the October 2004 Time magazine dedicated to the God gene, asking, quote, Does our DNA compel us to seek a higher power? Believe it or not, some scientists say yes, end quote. For a topic we are now to believe is crazy conspiracy talk, one only needs to do some research to find the vested interest in studying this gene. The cover story was entitled, quote, Religion, is God in our genes? A provocative study asks whether religion is a product of evolution, inside a quest for the roots of faith. End quote. It discusses the genetic work of Dean Hamer and states, quote, Spelunking in the human genome is not easy. What with 35,000 genes consisting of 3.2 billion chemical bases, studying the nine candidate genes in DNA samples provided by his subject, Hamer quickly hit the genetic jackpot, a variation in a gene known as VMAT2, end quote. A book published in 2008 by Matthew Alper called The God Part of the Brain, asks the question, is man the product of a god, or is quote-unquote god the product of human evolution? And there are numerous other books and articles about this topic, which supports the fact that this gene is being studied. And then we have this, quote, they've killed god. I can't feel god. My soul is dead, end quote. That was a quote made by an individual who volunteered for the AstraZeneca vaccine trial in 2020 and developed quote-unquote neurological problems. This halted the trial as he was the second to experience these neurological problems. What are the odds that there was a potential development to eliminate one's religious behavior via vaccine and this being said by a vaccine participant? Strange coincidence, isn't it? If there were similar things said by other trial participants, do you think that would be made public? So, in summary, we have predictions of removing the soul with pharmaceuticals, a study about a gene connected to one's religious beliefs, a prescription medication that inhibits said gene, and a possible Pentagon briefing presenting a future vaccine that would eliminate this gene from affecting human behavior, and a vaccine trial participant saying, quote, I can't feel God, my soul is dead. End quote. We are living in extraordinary times. There's much confusion about what information to trust. But when you look at all of it logically, and consider the odds of these various topics of information having a common thread throughout,
Eh. Remember what Karl Marx, the father of communism, announced, that his objective in life was to, quote, dethrone God, end quote. There's motive, capability, and execution of a plan we have merely just begun to see play out. Now the end begins, dot com. Now folks, I wouldn't even begin to try to tell you what you should believe. I know what I believe, and hopefully you know what you believe. And whether or not what you believe and what I believe is because of our own free will, or because we were born with it, is still kind of up in the air as far as I'm concerned. But if you will allow me to offer my final thoughts on this whole god gene thing, believe it or not, I say that they might actually be onto something here. Hear me out. You don't necessarily have to believe in God, or the idea that the elites believe in a god that they want to quote-unquote dethrone in order to believe in the possibility that a secretive group of elite scumbags who believe in eugenics might use science to try to develop medical technologies that could suppress something inside our bodies or minds that would make us more susceptible to their control. Let us consider what the geneticist who introduced the world to the idea of a quote-unquote god gene, Dean Hamer had to say about it. According to Wikipedia, he hypothesized that self-transcendence, i.e. spirituality, might provide an evolutionary advantage by providing human beings with an innate sense of optimism that gives people the will to keep on living and procreating, despite the inevitability of death, and promoting better health and recovery from diseases. Now, just let all of that sink in for a minute, folks, and I think you'll see where I'm going with this. I hope so, because I'm not going to spell it out for you. Because, like I said, I'm not here to tell you what you should believe. However, I sure hope that, like me, you do believe that your right to believe what you believe, and my right to believe what I believe, should be an inalienable one, and can never, and should never, be taken away from us. <laughs> For the ACR, I'm Adam Clark, and this has been The Daily Ruckus for Tuesday, June 15, 2021. For more information, please visit alternatecurrentradio.com.